I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Stompcast. I'm wandering nicely with Elizabeth Day around Kennington Park, which we have oddly have connections to in different ways. We'll have heard that in part one. This is part two, so enjoy. Wow. Num- book number nine. I just asked you how many books have you <laughs> written, and you did have to pause for a brief moment to think. Um, so, <laughs> Confessions of a Friendaholic. Friendship. Talk to me about why you've written this book. Why, why, does it, why is this book so important to you? This book is very important to me because friends have been the most consistent, one of the most meaningful loves of my life. My friends have got me through so much. They've been there for the joyous celebratory moments. They've been there in the darkest times. And yet, as a society, we have a tendency to elevate romantic love above all else. And it means that friendship has been sidelined for many, many, many decades. And it means that there's no language to express how we feel about our friends. There's no language really to say what we mean when we use the term friendship. Mm. It encompasses so many different roles and so many different aspects with so many different people. So my starting point was to attempt to give friendship a language, but it was also a personal journey of reflection because during the pandemic, like many people, my diary emptied overnight. And I realized that the people that I most missed and needed were not necessarily the people who I'd been spending the most time with because actually they were my closest friends and they weren't placing demands on me because they knew how busy I was or they were being really respectful and there was never any guilt attached to our friendship. And I thought, well, that can't be right. Why am I spending time doing other things when this is one of the most nourishing things in my life? So I did a sort of friendship audit of myself and asked myself where my need for friends came from. And that's where I developed the idea of being a friendaholic, which it depends what kind of childhood you had. My childhood was immensely privileged in many ways. I grew up in Northern Ireland, just outside Derry, went to school in Derry. You can't tell because I don't have the accent. Yeah, yeah. Because I didn't have the accent when I got to secondary school, I was bullied and I felt really lonely and isolated. And I changed schools halfway through the year. And when I got to my new school, I became crazed in my pursuit of friends because I knew even at that early age, there was safety in a big number. There was safety in a group, in a Being tribe. The hockey, friends of the hockey team or friends of the rugby team were kind exactly. of safe, the same from my You school. need to belong. And I hadn't realized then the difference between belonging and fitting in and belonging is when you're accepted as you are and fitting in is when you change yourself. And that ended up with this sort of codependent nature of mine where I just wanted more and more people in my yeah. life. And Friendaholic was about a reassessment of that. You know, you mentioned around belonging and fitting in because I, th- I think I've, tried to fit in most of my life to be honest until Mm. the last few years I've learned about belonging and actually what I found interesting is my friendship circles have dramatically shrunk when I decided to belong and not fit in. Preach. I think that's the function for a lot of people as they get older and they realise who they really are rather than who they're pretending to be or rather than who they're trying to please. Mm. So many of us who wanted to belong sought to work out what the other person wanted in order for them to accept us and then we changed ourselves accordingly. 
And it's taken me until my 40s to realise that that's just no way to live a life. I can't believe you're in your 40s, by the way. It oh, thank you, you, Alex. You're, like, <laughs> you're very much, I'd say we're very similar age. And you're, you're, thank you, that's so lovely. Well, but, the, but the interesting thing about Phenaholic is that there have been all of these scientific studies showing that if you are lonely and you don't have enough friends or you don't have a big enough community, that's as dangerous for your health the as... Smoking. The smoking. Smoking I, I talk, 15 cigarettes a day. I, I go around... Yeah, well, yeah, I, yes, 15 cigarettes a day. I go around the schools and I talk about this fact. I use it all the time. I say, um, we just stop um, ignoring the value and power of friendship and also uh, not really realising the dangers of the opposite, which is loneliness. So that, yes. I do the whole idea of... Um, uh, Johan Hari talks about, isn't it? The opposite yeah. of addiction isn't, yes, isn't necessarily surprised. It's the idea around. It's alienation. Yeah, yeah human it's addiction. Yes. Yeah, human, sorry. Opposite, opposite. Of addiction is human connection. Yes. So people that don't feel connected, either you know, in quality of connection or amount of connection, they will turn to find that somewhere else because ultimately, human beings, we're not designed to be in silo. We are, you know, we are designed to be with other people. And whether you're an introvert, extrovert, or like most people, a mixture of the two, yes. you do require some amount, quantity of quality connection. It's that, yes. that point around like learning to be alone, but finding out or finding that balance where alone starts and loneliness kind of ends, isn't it? And finding Fascinating. That in between because point. Also the other thing, that I found out through the course of writing this book is that having too many friends can cause depression and that feeling of alienation because you have that feeling of being lonely in a crowd. You're sort of trying to run around meeting everyone's needs and being a quote yeah. unquote good friend. And so the, you're right, the secret is to find your happy and authentic middle point. And I don't know if you've heard of Robin Dunbar, he's this incredible professor at Oxford and he's a sociology professor and he studies friendship. And he identified that the optimum is to have friendship layers where you have a sort of inner circle of five yeah. key relationships. Falling in love or having children will cost you two of those because you simply yeah. don't have enough yeah. hours sure. to nurture sure. that level of intimacy. And that made me feel so much better. I was like, oh, it's not that I'm doing this wrong by not having enough time for my friends. It's that I've found someone that I've fallen in love with, yeah. and that requires some time. We also and we also forget, I think, sometimes we have this weird boundary where, like, oh, is this a romantic relationship or is it a friendship? As if, like, only one or the other can occur, where yeah. actually, really, what you want with someone, I'd imagine, I would have got solving love is a very different... It would take a while to solve love, not that I have any of those answers, but can you not have a, a relationship that's both romantic and friendship? So, therefore, yes, people are going absolutely. to tick those boxes on both sides. Great point. It, it, yeah. it does feel like that mix. I mean, I, I've, I, I resonate with you quite a lot with the school stuff in a different way perhaps but I, you know I, I was bullied quite a lot at school I found it very difficult I definitely was someone that tried to fit in and you know try and make make myself safe in that kind of sense and you know as I've got older I've noticed that I've moved away from that consciously and like now to be honest with you most of my evenings I sit in with Rolo my dog um, on the weekends I might go and see one or two friends rather than going out and trying to visit everyone and get everyone together and yeah create this whole thing and, and I had a conversation with my very best friends you talk about that in a five Adam the weekend he came up I'm his um his child's godfather and uh, we were talking about this and I said it's funny that you learn eventually that once you stop worrying about what you should be doing and care about what actually makes you happy yes when it comes to friendships you realize actually I'll spend time with the people I like yes doing the things I like yeah. and the rest doesn't matter right exactly it's it's about paying attention to how a situation or a person makes you feel and there will be some people or friends who make you feel drained. And that's no negative reflection on them, and it's no negative reflection on you. It's simply 
that you're each at a point of your a point in your lives that it doesn't fully mesh in the way yeah. that it might once have done, and that's okay. I'm I'm really passionate about failure, as you know, and about saying that relationships and friendships aren't failures simply because they end or evolve. They are things that change our landscapes forevermore, like volcanoes. Volcanoes can be active or they can be dormant, but they have changed the landscape yeah. that they sit in. Yeah. And that for me is a way of feeling great love for all of my friends, past and present and future. Mm -hmm. Well, I, had, I remember I had a friend, it reminds me a little bit, I had a friend at school who um, was one of my very best friends growing up. And then when I went to university, we kind of like drifted apart in, in time, space, and his interests change, my interests change. Yeah. And then we've kind of come to back together in later so life. Nice. And you, go, you kind of forget sometimes that, you know, it may well be at the time you are in life, that friendship is not serving its purpose for either of you. And then you come back later in life and you're very close again. And I think sometimes we forget that it might be the end of that friendship or it might be that for now, it served its purpose, Exactly, right? exactly that. Um, one of the people that I spoke to for the book, so I interviewed five of my own friends, each of whom represents something very different about friendship. And I interviewed various people who represent sort of different experiences. And one of them was my friend Bonnie, who's in her 70s. And she told me this story about how she'd had a very, very, very close friend. And one Christmas, a few years into their friendship, this person sent her a letter detailing every single one of Bonnie's faults mm. and why they could no longer be friends. Right. And Bonnie was devastated yes. and the friendship as, as ended. One would be, yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> years went past. Twenty-five years went past. Wow. And Bonnie, one Christmas, was like, I'm gonna reach out. And she reached out to this friend yeah. just to say happy Christmas. And this woman replied saying, Oh, it's so lovely to hear from you and I'm so sorry and I was going through such a difficult point in my life and that's why yeah. I wrote the letter, and now they're friends again. And I, that, that just gave me so much hope and fortitude. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's, that's actually a, a great friendship there, that you were safe enough to be honest with each other. And you could have that reflection. Now, one, one thing I'd ask you about, because I've, sorry. oh my this gosh, yeah, so this, this park has clearly got the first beautiful oh. What dog is that one? That's a, um, is that a, a uh, what do you call breeds? it? What do you call that one? Yeah, it, I know the word it's trying to find. We love your dog. We love it, she which is she thinks you're going to steal it, yeah. Oh, Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Beautiful dog. I wanted to ask you about friendship because I, I, it's something that I've been questioning myself over the years, certainly. And, and, and I think when, when difficult times happen, I think a lot of the saying is around, like, you know, when you, know, you learn who your friends are when things are tough. Yeah. Do you think you can have viable friendships where people are there for fair weather days yeah. and maybe not for the, dark, the more difficult days? Yeah, I think are that's they as a, valuable such a good question. Because it is like, well, do, do I just only have the friends yeah. that are there when it's really shit? Or is there merit to the people who are there for the, you know, the smiley sunshine beer or whatever? Yes, you know? I think there is merit. There's merit to all different kinds of friendship, as long as you know what the category is. And as long as neither you nor they are placing greater expectations of each other than that category defines. And that's quite difficult to do because when we become friends, we don't date. We don't have socially sanctioned rituals where we exchange engagement rings yeah. to know what stage we're at. And so there's sometimes... So the daisy chain, it's like you're a proper friend. You only I know. Make the daisy if chain only, that like you're really so close easy. friends. Yeah. Um, and I've often been guilty of rushing headlong into a friendship, high on the buzz of instant connection. Yeah. And my best friend, Emma, is much more selective. And she said to me, there's a difference between being friendly and committing to a friendship. And when you commit to a friendship, you have to be honest about what 
you desire and what you expect, if anything, from the other person. So for instance, I don't expect phone calls. I also won't give you phone calls. I mm. hate the phone. Mm. That's just my thing. I love a text. I probably won't You're a voice be in touch. You're a voice a, I love a voice I can note. imagine you enjoy a perusing, a meandering voice note. I are love you a four, a voice Are you note. among the five minute voice note yeah. category? Are you? I am. See, I have I a solution am. for people like you. I just put okay. you on 1.5. <laughs> Oh, the clever. speed, I can increase the speed because then I can condense it all in one. Yes, uh, I do. I am now aware that sometimes it's an act of aggression to, to send a five minute voice note. I'm like, I'm going to make you listen it's, to me. It's like, a, it's like a grenade in your inbox. It's like rolling in. It's like, right, I've got to catch this now. Unlock the pen, right. Once you've started, you've got like to finish. Emma's right? voice notes, my best, I absolutely love her voice notes. Like, I will save them up like they're an episode of the arts <laughs> and then i'll just feel so calm and at, at peace of the world well i need some of them because you're sending me them as well yes. <laughs> just sign a subscription emma's yeah. emma's voice note subscription service oh my gosh you'd make a fortune happy but in the there's, package there's one of my friends roya who i know doesn't like voice notes mm. so i don't send it to her and my thing about friendship is that the most important metric for me is generosity of spirit i need to feel that you will be thinking generous generously of me even when I haven't been in touch. And that means that I know when we meet up, we'll be able to hit relational depth really quickly and have an amazing time with no guilt attached. And some people, their metric of friendship, their most important one will be sharing a hobby and going paddleboarding, and that's great. Hmm. But that's, we need to be a lot clearer about what we expect from people that we become friends with. You know, I've, uh, I just handed in a, an essay, I'm doing the Public Mental Health Masters, and I handed in an essay, and it's on um, how we tackle um, uh, alcoholism or alcohol addiction. Right. I'm, I'm really fascinated by it. To be honest. Um, it's a really interesting uh, area. And one of the biggest factors that they found that the WHO set about like ways that, that we globally should help tackle it, one of the biggest parts is how we create genuine quality human connection friendships, effectively huh. what it's saying. And it's really interesting because when you look at the kind of life models, so the kind of the zero when you're born all the way through to elderly life there's, there's different times where friendships almost become more important than anything i mean yeah. your earlier zero to five is probably where the parents play your biggest like this like that you're molding you as like of the parents and yeah there's some friendships etc but your parents are heavily important but by yes. the time you get those teenage years you all know it to be true you listen more to your mates than anyone else yeah so how do you because i and i do yeah. look back i mean i certainly at certain times i did things that maybe i wouldn't have done in different groups and starting thinking oh gosh should i have you know, it's kind of part of your learning failures of course yes how do you can you really can you truly choose your friends particularly when you're younger so if any younger yeah. listeners and and how do you know when a friendship's yeah. really serving you because we know from studies that friendships are particularly when you're developing and definitely hard times are incredibly important how do you actually choose the good ones and how do you yeah. recognize when you're in a bad friendship it's really good questions i think it's so much more difficult when you're younger <laughs> And that's part of the reason that when I was a child, I was desperate to be an adult because I just wanted to have more control over my life, even though we now know control is a massive illusion. But when you're a child, your friendships are by necessity defined by geographical area, by whether your parents have friends, whether you have siblings, cousins, uh, the school you're at. And there's a limited amount that you can do about that. However, I would say the way that you know whether someone is I actually don't like the, the language of good or bad friend mm. because there's a moral <laughs> implication to it. So the way that you know someone is a true friend is do they make you feel good about yourself or do they make you feel bad about yourself? Mm. If you feel bad about yourself after an interaction with them or a series of interactions with them, really question whether that friendship is bringing you what you deserve and what you're worth. And I think it genuinely is as easy as that. 
And that's not to say that everything revolves around you and yourself and you're the most important thing. It's about being able to tune into energies and listen to your instinct and pay yourself necessary attention yeah. to know what the good relationships are. And if you're someone who's listening and you might be in your teenage years and having a difficult time and you, you don't feel that you have true friends, I promise you that it gets better. I promise you that there will come a time in your life when you find your kindred spirits. And for me, I didn't meet my best friend until I was at university. And that's partly because I didn't know myself sufficiently. So I was in that phase of mm. struggling to fit in rather than understanding I could be accepted wholesale by someone. So I promise you that if that's something you want, it will happen for you in time. There's kind of that point around like the longer that you try and spend trying to be someone else, the less time you're actually being yourself. And yes. that, it's when you're yourself that you'll attract the people you actually wanted to yes. spend time Put that with. that on an Instagram tile. That was a <laughs> <Yeah>. brilliant one. <laughs> it's, 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 the more time you spend, let's say it again, the, 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 the more the, time you spend trying, trying to be someone, someone else. else, the less time you spend being yourself. And it's kind of that. Brilliant. But I spent a lot of my, I definitely spent a lot of my, I think most people do because you, especially now because you have all this, um, you have social media which kind of self-perpetuates things like success and talks about how you should be and people are often spending their time trying to be like, oh, I want to be like that person or that, that's the metric of being cool or I need to be like that and then people think, well, I'm cool if I'm like that. And it's kind of sad because the further you move towards that, the more lonely you become in yeah. many ways. Yeah, and actually a better way, and I struggle with this as much as anyone, but a better way of looking at it, if you feel, I want to be like that person or I'm mm. jealous or I feel competitive with that person, what does that person represent to you mm. that you can repackage as an opportunity? Because that person is probably representing something that you admire mm. in some way. Yeah. And so how can you work towards that in a healthy way mm. to maximize the youest version of you? Yeah. Because that's really your role on the planet is to be the youest version of you. You know, when it comes to friendships as well, it's like that old saying is that you're the sum of like your kind of five closest friends yeah. or whatever it is. It's really important to have, I certainly find it important to have people that tell you no as well. Um, not necessarily, no, don't eat that chocolate. Yeah. I just mean like, <laughs> no, actually, I think you're dealing with the situation incorrectly. Definitely. Or maybe, and sometimes, I, and I look, reflect, and maybe, I think it's just being aware sometimes that you don't want all friends around you to just kind of enable you all the time. True friends sometimes actually have to have honest conversations with you. And maybe some of the regrets I have in the past is where I've not recognised the difference between an honest conversation and someone just being mean. Yes. Oh, that's such a good point. And generally speaking, you know, Emma and I have honest conversations all the time, but she, and I hope I do, we find a way to express it with love. Yeah. So there's a sense that if someone says, I love you and I always think the best of you, and I have to say this time when you did this, I thought this, like, does that resonate with you? Rather than you did that wrong, <laughs> you're terrible. There's definitely a way of leading and expressing with love. And actually, like, I don't, you know I'm a big reality mm. TV fan, and I don't mean to bring everything back to Love Island, but I do find that the, the seasons of Love Island I have loved the most yeah. are the ones that are about the friendships, yours yeah. included, yeah, we had where a great you see these amazing connections between groups of young people who often don't get the credit that they deserve for that sort of respectful yeah. communication with yeah. each other. Like, I love it. I don't watch it for... Yeah. The romance as much as the yeah. friendship. You certainly watching, weren't watching my bit for the romance anyway, but <laughs> that was my much of that. Do you know the other thing that's interesting with friendships as well? Is we have a natural 
it's like a human thing where we're attracted to people who we think are similar to us. It's like they look like me or they look how I believe I want to look. Maybe that's more than anything else. It's like I want to affiliate with that person. The thing that I learned the most about Love Island by far, and I still say this, the thing I learned the very most, and I hadn't really experienced it to that level before, is that you have more in common with people than, than what divides you. There, yes. there's often you look at someone and go, you know, as we all do, and you make instant judgments as well. Our yeah. brains always do about everything. Uh, you kind of go, well, I don't know if that person will be similar to me. And actually, when you spend time, and we kind of were forced to spend time, you realised, do you know what? Most people, you know, want to be generally healthy. They want to feel loved. They want to feel like they belong. They want to have family and friends. They want to have purpose. And you yeah. realise, actually, when you spend a bit of time with people, often there's so much more in common. So sometimes it's making friends with people that you least expect. And one of the shames about um, friendship, I think, as well, is we often focus so much and be like right I need friends in my 20s the same age as me or I'm 30 I need friends in my yes, 30s yes you know you can learn so much from the older oh, generation you know totally. we miss out so much of like the golden nuggets of life yeah fine yeah you know you, you know people in their 60s 70s might not have had Instagram when they grew up but I tell you what they went through different things uh, yes and you can, yeah. learn, yeah. you can learn and I think that's a real we miss so much of that intergenerational kind of I totally friendship agree. as well yeah that's why one of the friend chapters that I write in the book where I interview my real life friends one of them is an interview with my friend Joan, who's 20 years older than I am. And precisely that, yeah. I get such joy from her perspective. And yeah. she's been through a lot of the things that I'm going through, but she's on the other side of it. And she has an age mm. difference friend who's in his 90s. Yeah. And she, call, she calls Max whenever something's going awry in her life or when a president that she doesn't yeah. like gets elected. <laughs> and she used this phrase, she said, I call him at the hinges of history. Wow. And I was like, that's I such love a that great so phrase, much. isn't it? So to have that friends so that you can call at the hinges of history, both personal and yeah. global, that's really key to me. Not call for me, obviously, voice note. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> voice note indeed. I find friendship fascinating because it's something that we're all faced with every day. And I think one of the things, as we've moved out of the pandemic and certainly things that have happened last few years, to be perfectly honest, my friendship group has really, really shrunk. I had a handful of friends. Yeah. And sometimes you kind of wonder, do I need to make new friends? How do you actually make friends? I mean, mm. that's different for different ages. But I had a scratch in my head the other day. I was like, it's quite tricky to make friends. And I think as you get older, maybe your opportunities decrease. Uh, it, it how, do you, how do you do it? It is very tricky and I'm aware that I speak from a certain position of I'm able to make friends and meet people because I work in a certain industry and because... You're fabulous. There's so, a large main reason. Shut up. You're the, you are. That's you so are. sweet of you. But because I interview people for a living, I mean, I think some people when they meet me are like, can you stop asking me questions, please? <laughs> you're just very <laughs> interested. You're very, you're, it's the I same reason in history. Yeah. But it is, <laughs> yes, isn't it? You wouldn't yeah. do it if you didn't want to, you weren't wanting to learn from things. That's yeah. why. I think also, you know, there are people who are neurodiverse in multiple magnificent mm. ways who, or people with social anxiety who might struggle in completely different ways to form connections. And really, the only advice I can give is to be open to the tiny daily interactions that could lead to something more. So the place where you get your coffee every day, or in my case, jasmine tea, like <laughs> the next time the person who makes that tea <laughs> or coffee, tea. the next time they smile at you or they say hello, just challenge yourself to say hello back and to be and I, I feel, I'm a genuine believer that if you're open to the small connections the bigger ones will yeah. form automatically and if you really that reciprocal kindness almost it's like when you're yes. smiling at something you're giving kindness in both directions if you yes. can just try and look for other opportunities of 
like social interaction per se, just opportunities of little bits of kindness you never know what happens. Yeah, you end exactly. up having a chat and you're away. And, and the second question I just want to finish this part with is perhaps on the other end of the spectrum. How do you decide, how do you deal with a situation where this friendship I feel has come to an end? Maybe that other person <laughs> yeah, doesn't so see difficult. that. How do, how do you deal with that? Because one of the things that's definitely made it more challenging is social media. Because, you know, kids always say this to me schools. I've just been on school tour and the kids say, look, you know, it's difficult because someone that's triggering or someone maybe that's bullying me or someone that's not really my friend, they're on my, I can't unfollow them because they know I've unfollowed them. And I say, well, look, you can mute them and so on. But it is difficult. How do you have oh, that situation? Because someone yeah. like, oh, do you know what, mate, you're not really, do you not want to hang out anymore? It's so, so difficult. Do you continue just to keep them happy or what oh, do you do? No, I, it's so difficult and it's something that I still struggle with. And I've, I've been the recipient of, and I've also prompted mm. various different friendship breakups. So I was ghosted by one of my closest friends, just flat out just ghosted, which was, re was really quite traumatic it at the hurts. time. It was a sort of slow hurts. motion trauma. I look back now and I'm like, I, I sort of understand because sometimes the feelings are so deep and you can't quite express what it is. Mm. You just know that you need to separate yourself. And I, I don't advocate ghosting at all. Mm. But there is such a thing as a non-verbal boundary. So that idea of dwindling your communication, making your communication less frequent. Creating a space. Almost. Creating your own space. Like that's, it's actually okay. You're being clear enough there. Yeah. And the other thing I've also had experience of actually now saying to someone, I'm just going through a specific phase of my life right now. Hmm. And I feel like we have different priorities and interests, but I, send you nothing but love and gratitude for the time that we shared together. I think there's a way of doing that where, again, you lead with love, but you're being clear that it's not the same as it was. Yeah. That's okay. We, we all grow and change and evolve. And Trees go through well, seasons, so do you know, people. On the other, side of the, the other side of it as well is trying not to take it too personal, which sounds very hard, but I, you know, yeah. I remember as you're talking, um, when, when, I can't keep talking, my brother, when my brother passed away, like there was real people that were kind of there and one, one person um, kind of was there, but kind of created that space quite quickly afterwards. And I think, yeah. and when we talked about it, eight or nine months, because it really was a big thing, I was very upset about it. And it's like, why aren't you here? And then when it was explained and it was discussed, it was clear that there was, there was reasons of their, their own boundaries that that had to be done. And I kind of look back and think, actually, it wasn't personal. That person yes. just was not in the space mentally that they could be there. I think especially that's a... that topic. And sometimes it is hard. Sometimes you're like, how dare you? You know, you yes. were there for me. And then you realise, again, it's the spotlight thing. You know, yeah. on the other side of that, you know, that person maybe couldn't be there. It's a very generous story for you to share because... I think, yeah, a lot of people would feel understandably rejected and angry about that. But you're absolutely right. The way people act and respond to you is almost entirely as a result of their own personal evolution, growth, makeup, baggage, all of the experiences that they've been through and barely anything to do with you. Yeah. And that's how we all... That's how, spotlight. I love the spotlight yeah. theory. Sometimes we over in both directions not just it sounds like an ego thing but it's like sometimes we give ourselves too much blame sometimes yes. that person has other other shit going on yeah exactly. and it's not always about your own it's not a negative reflection of you they just yes. have their own stuff we'll be your friend yeah thank you, you are, yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> we'll we'll be your friend thank you so much we've we've had a great conversation in part two we're going to move on to part three of the stomp cast now so everyone everyone thank you so much for joining us i hope you've enjoyed it we've kind of gone really deep high low everything that's the a sign of a good talk, I think, isn't it? So Definitely. join us for part three. See you soon.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.